Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, I'm Alan Cumming, and welcome to my shelves. My shelves are sort of a museum of my life. I like to keep things from my travels that are, to me anyway, the very essence of the experiences I've had. Sort of portals, if you will, to a specific time and place. And the inspiration for stories and memories and musings. Here's my little battery-operated fuck box. You press a button and these things happen. Here's a lighter, one of those ones with petrol in it that you flick up like this, you know. And it's from the Vanity Fair dinner that I went to at the Oscars a couple of years ago. And it's got a quote on the side that says, As you get older, the pickings get slimmer, but the people sure don't. And today I'm talking to Sir Matthew Bourne. And then I, I sort of clocked after, after trying to be a good friend and listen that you were still wearing your Mickey Mouse ears and I had to just hold myself back from laughing. Welcome and bienvenue. Welcome. Matthew Bourne is a dance legend and like many legends, he actually came to his particular field of expertise relatively late but he certainly made up for it with his company's Adventures in Motion Pictures and then later New Adventures he has created some of the most iconic and popular ballets of of the modern dance of the modern dance era like The Carman, Nutcracker, Swan Lake and most recently The Midnight Bell Matt is also a total darling, a dear, dear old friend to me. We used to actually be flatmates together a long time ago. And when he won his first Tony for choreographing Swan Lake on Broadway, I actually presented it to him. And the item from my shelves we're discussing today is a photograph of the two of us taken in 1994 when Matt took me on a trip to Disneyland Paris. I should point out that during this conversation, there will be some extracurricular activity in the form of Ferdinand, Matt's dog, humping him, humping his arm, to be specific. (laughs) I shall never unsee it. How are you, Matt? I'm good. Yeah, I'm in Brighton, actually. I I can tell. By the sea. Mm. I know. I'm just absolutely obsessed with your, um, you and Arthur's uh, Instagram of that beautiful flat. And I love. I always loved that flat, but now you've had it all done up, and just that view yeah. is stunning. It is it's magical. amazing. And every night's a show. You know, the sunsets and everything. It's amazing. Yeah. And look at this fabric as well. I'm loving that fabric. <laughs> those, is it one big? Bo- is it a bolster or is it a chair? What are you doing there behind you? Oh, it's a sofa. Oh my God! There's so much of it. There's a lot of it. Whoa. Oh, yeah. it's like a, is it a built-in? Built-in. Oh, there's Ferdinand. Yeah, there he is again. again. <laughs> I'm just going to ignore. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I think this is the first time I've... 
done a podcast while the interviewees being humped. <laughs> or maybe not. Who knows? Who knows what happens? I've got two things I want to talk to you about. I was going to talk to you about one thing, which was, uh, uh, well, two. Th- actually, I'm going to talk to you about three things. This isn't it at the moment, is it? Yeah, we've started. Yeah, we've started. Oh, we've started. <laughs> yeah, we've started. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's just like chatting. So okay. I was going to talk to you about, mm. you know, uh, a, a photo of us at Disneyland Paris a thousand yes. years ago. A yeah. really hilarious photo. I think we're in the Pirates of the Caribbean. It's on my shelves. And then, and then I've also still got the, the Mickey Mouse ears with my name like embroidered into the back of it. But then the other day on your Instagram, I saw a picture of, uh, of uh, an old photo from one of your um, early uh, dances. It was of uh, Highland Fling. Yes. And I realized, which is a version of Last Seal Feed, isn't it, that you did uh, years ago? So, and you, That's right. And I remember that one of my greatest honors was that I actually uh, suggested some of the, uh, oh my God, Ferdinand's at it again. I just see his little head <laughs> coming in, humping away. Um, that uh, in the in the toilet of this, it was one of the few uh, ballets to have a a, a gents. A urinal featured. A urinal, yeah. And I and I helped you do Scottish uh, uh, graffiti. Scottish graffiti, slang, and everything. You taught yeah. us. You, you wrote lots out for us. On a, I still have it actually. Do I still you? have this serviette from a restaurant we were in where you wrote <laughs> lots of ideas. That's a dirty Scottish <laughs> it's in my things. Highland Fling file. For, his, uh, for history, yeah, that's so yeah. nice. Uh, I, 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 but anyway, I saw a picture you put up, and I, I have, and I don't know whether I should, I should have. Maybe I stole it. I don't know. I've got the little wings. I've got one of the pairs of little wings. Have you? And it's been, it's been on my shelves. And I thought, where did, I, why did I get that? Where is it? I don't know why I've got that. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. And then I realized it's sort of little plastic. It's like a little plastic sort of wings that were yes. on the back of the little of the sylphs of the nymphs. That's right. Why would I have? Why yeah. would I have had one? Well, you were, you know, you did often used to swipe things, didn't you, in those days? And <laughs> pop them in your bag. You may. <laughs> Maybe I just did. You may. You may it's got somebody's name on it. It's got somebody's name on it. I must. Oh, I right. don't because I'm not. I'm not actually at my shelves today. And I was because I. I was thinking of doing anyway. So I've got one of your stolen uh, sylph wings. So Amazing. there we are. Well, just we would confessional. Ne- well, you're what you're. You consider it a gift. Thanks <laughs> for the help you put into the production. I mean, that's uh, for my dirty, your graf- dirty, dirty Scottish graffiti. Yeah. Um, and so, but the other thing is, so that what people might not know is that we once a thousand years ago were roommates, flatmates, as flatmates, you say, yeah, uh, uh, in uh, Tufnell Park. And that's you right. uh, were so kind to me because it was a time when I was lit. Well, I wasn't homeless. That's a little dramatic. But I was getting divorced. I had nowhere to live. And you said I could live in your spare room for a while. So I stayed for quite a while. It was many months. Yeah. What year was that, Alan? That was like the end of 94. So I I think I moved in maybe the autumn of 94 and I stayed. I don't know where I went. Maybe I moved in with Saffron, actually. Maybe that's the next after that. that, Probably was there to like, you know, a good six, seven months. But it was a very uh, significant time for us both, if it was 94. Because 94 is yeah. when I made Highland Fling. So that's yeah. where you would have been involved in that in some way and coming along yeah. to see and it. And I remember uh, Oliver opened at the Palladium whilst I was living with it you. It did. And I remember also coming in one day and you left a note to say you'd got the James Bond movie. Mm. And oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And I was probably mulling over Swan Lake at that point, which I did the following year. So it's very, That's right. 
significant big, time a very, What a creative hub it was. <laughs> it was. I also remember that I, that was the first, around about that time was the first time I'd gone to LA for when I went with Circle of Friends, for the premiere of Circle of Friends. I think I'd yeah. just, I'd gone earlier that year. And so I'd, and I'd done some meetings and I remember that I, I went, uh, I remember there was a thing where the, the phone in the, in the flat was in your bedroom. Yeah. Right. And so and so they kept and my agents in Hollywood kept calling in the middle of the night and waking you up. <laughs> I remember a couple of times you knocking on my door going, it's your agents again. And I'd have to go through into your bed and we go, hello, it's really bad time. Could you call me back? <laughs> and I then, probably secretly was... found it really exciting. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then I remember once there was a I remember when I was actually in L.A. So it must be in the middle of, you know, in the summer of that year before. Oh, I can't remember, but I, I'd done, I'd gone for meetings and and stuff, and 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 I, and I got, I I went to all these auditions for things, and I said, I remember, I said, oh, you know, I don't, I I still want to be based in London or in, uh, in Europe, and I I just, I mean, you know, I, I'd like to come and do films here, but I don't want to come and just do stupid films, you know, mm. I, I, I was all like that, and it, they said, oh, well, here's all these different, so I went out for all these meetings, and I went to audition for this film that was set on board a submarine. A sort of a slapstick comedy on a submarine, and it was called um, Down Periscope. And I, I read for it. I was like, "Oh, what am I doing here? This is exactly what I said I didn't want to do." And uh, <laughs> uh, and I uh, then I went back to London, blah blah. blah and they, that was why they were calling when they woke you up. They're sort of saying, "Oh, you've been offered this part." I was like, "Oh God!" And they kept, oh, you know, it's the thing. They did, if you say no, they want you more and they'd give you more money and yeah. blah blah I said I really don't know I just said I don't really think the script was up to much and I'd rather not anyway what, what I remember one day because it was in the days where you got like scripts were FedExed you know I remember one day in that flat uh, I was about to go out and then a f- script flopped through the the, the, the letterbox and it was that they said it's been a massive rewrite it's, it's a page one rewrite Alan please give it another shot and I look, it used to be called down periscope I look, opened the envelope it was now called up periscope <laughs> and I was just like you know that what no. no I'm done no <laughs> I'm not going to <laughs> You know, you did a really great thing for me, Matt, because you, uh, people perhaps won't know this, but, you know, who know your work necessarily, but you're a huge Disney fan. Yes, like certainly was then and still am to a certain extent, but not quite as much as then. But I, I, I've had some of the best times of my life in that, you know, in the Disney parks, I think, you know, very memorable yeah. days, you know, really yeah. wonderful. And you, I, I mean, I sort of, I think I missed out on the whole Disney thing. It was actually... You uh, introduced. I mean, you had sort of lots of videos and things, and I, I just, oh, I, right. I went living with you during that time. I saw lots of films I'd never seen, like I'd never seen Mary Poppins before. We, I watched it with you. My goodness, I know well, that's a right? life changer. It really was. Well, was it? Was it me that made us go then, so that you could experience Disneyland? Was that your first you, trip? It's my first trip ever, and it was like yeah. I was having a bit of a bad time, as you know. I was yes. getting divorced, and blah blah blah. It was a bit ugly, and I was, there was a particular time when I was pretty low, and you said, "We're going to Disneyland Paris," and it was like you know, you just sort of whisked me up, and we got went off in the train, and I was like, "Oh God, Matt, really?" And I was like, you know, and I remember you saying, "You have to open your heart to Disney." Oh, <laughs> and yes. you do you do it's true yeah. i say that to people now so yeah. off we went to the it was relatively new the disneyland paris and 
we had such a magical time. I mean, it was it was the best thing that you could have that anyone could have done for a friend was to take them to this place and just be completely have a, a joyful, you know, childlike experience. It was just great. It really was. I must have sensed you needed cheering up, and that's the perfect the perfect way to do it. It really it? is. Yeah, um, it's the happiest place on earth. But it, this photo on your shelf, Alan, what is it? The photo of is it is it us together? In, in Disney, it's or- us together. I've got a I've got a pirate um, uh, bandana on my head. Oh yeah, I think and I think you've got your ears on. And we're in. I think we're in the Pirates of the Caribbean restaurant or somewhere. Yeah, yep. because we we did everything. We did it all. I know. Of course, you've got to book for the Pirates of the Caribbean restaurant. It's very difficult to get into. Yes, the one that's in the dark. Is that the, yes. that the one? Yes, yes. The and all the fake the, yeah. birds signs yeah. and everything. Yeah, I love that. But um. No, the 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 thing that we always remember from that trip is you you pouring your heart out to me over lunch, um, and it, it getting quite serious for the fir- maybe for the first time during that trip because yeah. we were having fun and then suddenly things were coming out, you know. And, and we're quite, at the Lion King. We're in the Lion King sort of. There was a, not not the Lion King like That's the show, right, like but pre-show. It was like a kind of outdoor concert of the Lion King. And Lunch experience or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah. dinner theatre, but the Lion King. Yeah. And you're talking about all your troubles with... Uh, yeah, was I going to get divorced? Was I going to go back to my marriage? Yeah. I didn't know what to do. I didn't feel I could. Yeah. Really almost like... And, and just almost in tears. And then I I sort of clocked after after trying to be a good friend and listen that you were still wearing your Mickey Mouse ears. And I had to just hold myself back from laughing. And I think I told you about it later, didn't I? You told and me I said at dinner I, that I... night. I just thought you were, that's the best friend who... <laughs> if you'd laughed in my face at that moment, it would have been very difficult. <laughs> no, I couldn't. But it was so perfect in a way. Yeah. Uh, with it's, these I think it's, very, on, it's yeah. very me, actually. Uh, it's very you. No. <laughs> on brand as they say and I remember the other thing I, I remember I, we, I were in the swimming pool and I remember telling you about how good swimming was because it, you have to you stretch and you have to it's strengthening and stretching at the same uh-huh. time and also you have to like you kind of have to hold your tummy in in order to do it I just remember you going really oh, that's right so you do <laughs> I remember I don't know I always remember that that was probably the last time I went swimming with anyone <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there's Ferdinand there up for another again. shag. The thought of us swimming together. Thought of you naked. <laughs> <laughs> that was, how many years? That was 1994. That's 20, 30, oh, 20, oh, 26. 26. 27. Seven years 27 ago. 27 years yeah. ago. Yeah. Wow. But we'd actually met longer than that. We met in 1989. Do you remember? Uh, we did on, a, um, as you like it, at the RSC. Is that right? That's right. Yes. Was, so I was that was, I was, was in that Ash- actually the first that was the first time we met, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. When you he were, you were choreographing, and it was so exciting, actually, and interesting because at the time you were just you're not long had your company, Adventures in Motion Pictures. Yeah. And you done. I remember we went as a and 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 John Caird, who was the director of this production of As You Like It, had seen you a piece of yours. That's right. Somewhere, and then and and like sort of plucked you into into it was it was kind of a unusual move, wasn't it? You didn't normally have sort of yeah, contemporary. It was my it was literally my first professional job outside of my company, like a, a sort of freelance job, I suppose. It was the first thing I ever did, and he was really brilliant, wasn't he? At bringing together 
a really interesting cast of young, yeah. talent, talented actors, all a bit little different. And it, it was an amazing um, time. And it, it, but also he did that with me. You know, he picked someone who had never done worked to the RSC before, had never choreographed a play before. Or, yeah. Um, he's taken a lot of risks, I thought. Yeah, yeah. And I thought like that, that those parts of the production were really the best things. Like you, uh, your work was amazing. Like we did, there was a really great bit um, where at the start in the court, as the audience came in, we, you know, we had to go and the people who were in the court, you had to be on stage as the audience came in. There was, we were doing all these tangos and everything, yeah. really sexy. It's kind of witty, like your work, really clever and witty, uh, whilst being very sort of, you know, precise and dancey at the same time. And, um, uh, there was a girl, an actress called Judith, and she was she was dressed as one of the ushers in the in the auditorium. And then at one point, I had to go down to the audience and pull her up. It was like one of the <laughs> actors was taking one of the ushers up and taking it into a tango. It was such fun. I absolutely loved all that. I think most of my work was in the pre-show, wasn't it? It was sort of as the yeah, audience were coming in, of. all that stuff, all these dances, and yeah, um, it probably ended up being a lot more than it than it that it should have been but I think we all it was my favourite part that. actually yeah. of the whole show yeah. and uh, but that's where we first met. and then you also did there was a play I did uh, with Anthony Cher called um, Singer oh, Singer yeah yeah and you choreographed that and I remember there was the lovely little dance between the, the two old people there was a, a little old couple like a little old homeless couple oh, and yes. you had them doing yeah. a little dance together that was really magical yeah but that's when we first met, 1989. And um, I remember we, as a sort of a cast outing, excuse me, burping, we went to the place, which is, um, what would you say, the home of contemporary dance in London. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and, we yeah. and we went to see your, your company there doing um, the, the underpant uh, ballet. Um, oh, Spitfire. Spitfire, Spitfire. Which we still which I, do to this day. Yeah. I know you do. I, <laughs> I saw it on the telly the other, uh, a couple uh, of months yeah, ago. Yeah. So great. It's such a, <laughs> it's such a great, uh, I mean, it's kind of based on those sort of 1950s adverts, isn't it? For It for, is. It's, it's a mixture of uh, sort of a classical ballet sort of divertissement, as they call it, uh, but with yeah, mixed with underwear advertising. And I, it was <laughs> the first thing it used to, give me a little thrill was in those catalogues you know um that you, yes, the parents yes. used to have to buy clothes and things yes. there's also a section on underwear just with men just standing around areas. yeah just standing around like they were in a pub or something but but in y fronts and vests yes, and things. yes. And it was kind of turned me on a little bit i think i have funny it's turning <laughs> ferdinand on again i it see is, it is <laughs> hilarious yeah, yeah. uh i love this entire podcast is just going to be uh, interrupted by Ferdinand shagging your arm. It should so be funny. visual, I think. Yeah. I know. Well, we've got this. We're recording this Zoom. You never know what it might go. I love that about your work, Matt. That you always, you sort of, I've got this really. You're, it's you, you, you are really respectful of the classical forms, and yet you bring, you know, a wit and a sort of a satire so you're sort of paying homage and satirizing at the same yeah. time would you would you say that's a fair way to think about yeah, it yeah i think it's because i came to it all quite late so mm. i'd already loved theater and movies and and all other sorts of uh, uh, entertainment before i got into people would see as more highbrow ballet and contemporary dance and things like that so i always came to it with a irreverence i suppose or bringing things that i already knew about from other areas of different art forms you know to it yeah 
and also I feel it's always connected me to to audiences more because it's I, yeah. I always question everything with a with a sort of slight um as you say a kind of a grounding on what it actually is the cla- you know, the classical form or, or the story or whatever it is but yeah I I think I brought a lot of other things to that world that uh, ballet world and if I started very early I probably wouldn't have had you know so oh, I, I see, been, because you would have been it, so sort of immersed in it, you wouldn't have a, yeah. you wouldn't sort of stand back from it and look at it. If I started training at a very early age, which most dancers do, I, my yeah. subject matter may have been more limited, you know? So I think so it's what, always been a great thing. What did you... So you were what, in your twen- mid-20s but before you went to the Laban Centre, is that right? I was 22. Oh, 22. 22, so, which is pretty old, you know, really, for dance. What was, and that was like the first time you'd ever... I mean, how, when did you, I mean, did you didn't just sort of think, oh, I'm going to just be a dancer and... No, I, saw, I always loved it, but it was more song and dance. You know, I loved all that stuff right. growing up. I was putting on a Hollywood show movies. and sort of choreographing, but from memory of things I'd seen, sort of self-taught, I suppose you'd say, self-taught uh-huh. dancer. And um, that went on for quite a while. I didn't know anything about ballet or other forms of dance. So it eventually and where came did you about. do this? Like when, when you say you did these song and dances, did you, where did you do that? I saw little companies, you know, little amateur companies that I put together. I was always like the star, you know, <laughs> I was always like, Natch. I was like Dick Van Dyke was my hero. I wanted to be like uh-huh. Dick Van Dyke. Um, and I was quite happy doing that, you know, for a while. It's sort of a sideline to other things. I was, you know, working. What were you doing? What was your real real job, normal job? Well, you know, I got a job at the BBC, the first job I got, because I was a big autograph collector, as you know. I in know. In my I'm teens. Get coming to this. I'm obsessed with this obsession yeah. of yours. So I, I thought I'd get a job in show business in a way, which was about basically I was filing contracts at the BBC for a while, but also my <laughs> lunch breaks, sort of taking people to studios, pretending I was their greeter. Oh, really? I, it wasn't my job. You just did I, it. Yeah, it was, a, it was a show called the Pete Murray Show, which used to have oh, yeah. really, really good guests. And I used to knew I knew who was going to be turning up, and I'd go and say, oh, "I'm sitting here to take you to the studio, Mister Stallone or Miss Midler or whoever, whoever it was." Wow. And um, and I would chat with them and take them to the studio, but there was they didn't normally have anyone pick them up. So, so you, you just did that. You did you you didn't they didn't ask you to. They didn't ask me to. No, it was in my lunch break, usually. I took my lunch when I knew they around the time when they knew they were coming. <laughs> so great. Cause I, I remember you told me about like, cause in those days when you were an autograph hunter and you were like, a, you were like mm. a serious autograph hunter. Serious, right? like you, every yeah. weekend you were yeah. up in the West end of London outside hotels and theaters and everything. And yeah. and like in those days there was no internet. Like now, I mean, it's, I always think it's crazy. You know, when sometimes when I get off a plane, uh, and there's people there with photographs of me to sign. I think, how did you know? How did you know which plane I was on? What's you, going yeah. on? You know what I mean? All that stuff. It's really, uh, and it's best not to think about it, I suppose. But in those days, like it wasn't, <laughs> there was no, you couldn't text someone and say, quick, they're here. So there was a sort of a central no. person who you had to call in to somebody. Is that yes, how it worked? Yes, there was such a different world. But we used to have a thing called the Bulletin. Uh, this woman called Thelma Adamsway, who's still around. She was the queen Shut of autograph up. collectors, even then. And uh, Thelma she Adams Thwaite. Adams Thwaite, yeah. And what we had to name. get her trust. We were only young, me and my friend Simon, we were about 14, 15, 16, 15, you know. Um, once she trusted you that you were serious about autograph collecting, she would allow you to become part of this thing called the Bulletin, which you had to pay to be part of. 
per month. And it was basically a list of where people were staying when they were going to be there, which is a thing that newspapers got. So it was always like... Did, how did they get that from? Like from people in hotels getting a little it under was the a, counter? Yes, it was something, something like that. She had all the info and she would you'd call up twice a week on a Tuesday night, you'd call up and she'd just sort of start reeling off names. No, no hellos or, you know, how you doing? It was sort of... Elizabeth Taylor, Dorchester, May 5th to 10th or something. You know, it's all this kind wow. of stuff. She just lists when they were going to be there. So you you kind of knew uh, that you weren't standing outside there for nothing. You knew that they were gonna, someone was going to uh, wow. arrive at any point. So, yeah. But the other weird thing, Alan, talking about, you know, how it, how it is today and how it's then, I remember there, were, there weren't even barriers at film premieres then. Really? Weren't even, you weren't even behind a barrier. You would just go up to people as they got out their cars and ask for an autograph. That's how different it was. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the thing that changed it all was the Greece premiere in 1980, which was quite well, late it- on in my t- in my autograph collecting days. I would have was had almost stopped doing it by then. But um, was I went to that scene? one, and it it was mad. It was crazy. And after that, it was everything. Uh, everyone was more protected. God, that's so but fascinating. You could brush like, past they, people, and yeah. And now, now it's like there's those f- f- fences up on like either side. It's really that's really fun. the idea that there wouldn't be any. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's a crazy. I suppose thought people now, were polite in those yeah. days. They didn't. They wouldn't. They wouldn't yeah. do that. They would kind of. We stay were so back polite. And, we were yeah. so polite. I was always. It was always Mister or Miss whoever. You know, I mm. never called them by the first name. Really? If it was you, I would have been Mr. Cummings. You know, would you would you mind signing an order? We'd all be very, very polite, you know. Wow. And yet, therefore, you got that back. Yes, yes. You get mm. what you get. But in those days as well, you would, you would write off to people and they would send you oh, yeah. back photos. That's right. Well, my friend Simon, who's no longer with us, sadly, but he mm. um, he was very much into lists, you know. He, it was his thing when we were at school and everything. So he loved this whole thing about about the autograph collecting and, and ticking off people, you know. But he made a list of the oldest living people. So we had the top, you know, the people who were still alive who were, you know, in their 90s and their yeah. 80s. You'd, he said, we have to write to the older ones first. Because it's like they <laughs> might, more might chance pop of getting... their clogs. Yeah. <laughs> so we did that for a while. And you'd get replies very, you know, you'd get handwritten replies uh, and you did you send people. off a, a stamp to just envelope. Yeah, sometimes yeah. they use it, sometimes they didn't. They had a system going or something. But you would more often than not, most people. I say eighty-five percent of people replied to you. Wow. And they were talking about major people, you know, James Cagney and uh, Groucho wow. Marx and you know Joan Crawford. All these people. They would. They would. Uh, you'd get a, a signed photo for nothing, really. You know. Wow. Hello and welcome to Out to Lunch with me, Jay Rayner, the podcast in which I take a particularly brilliant famous person to a top restaurant and grill them to a turn. In this latest season, you'll find me having delicious dinners with the likes of Patrick Keelty, David Hare, Nina Conti, Dame Eileen Atkins and Mary Beard and the reliably outrageous Miriam Margulies. Richard E. Grant was on that. He has a, an always compulsion to smell whatever's around him. Has he never come and sniffed you? <laughs> Probably wisely, no. <laughs> All that and so much more. So do join me, Out to Lunch with Jay Rayner, available now wherever you get your podcasts. 
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Because now I, I, you know, another I guess relatively new phenomenon. I don't know. Maybe you can tell me. Like when when you go when you're coming out of somewhere and there's autograph people there and you. You know, the person says, oh, he's only doing one. I say you do one oh, yeah. picture to each person, but then the person runs around and they've got another picture of you. So, and you, and like the people always go, oh, they're just doing that. They're going to sell it. Then I think, oh, God, well, you know, if they're going to sell it on eBay, it's not, how yeah. much, you know, I'm, I'm walking to the car. I'll, I'll sign as many as I can once I'm walking. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. there's a thing that you're aware that people are, are, um, it's not just that people really like you, it's that it's, it's it's a commerce, and and you're aware that people have lots of copies. They try and get you to sign many copies of one thing. Yes, yeah, so like we, we never had any. No, nothing like that at all. They were all genuine collectors who wanted to complete their list. You know, they so some people would come and they wouldn't go up to them because they'd already got them or something. So it was the older right. ones were looking for certain people. Um, you know, some some actors would. I remember a very old uh, silent movie star called Bessie Love. Uh, I used to see a lot. She was in. She was in the first film that won the Oscar, the Broadway Melody of. I think it was just called the Broadway Melody. Uh, Wow. Nineteen twenty-nine. She was in this, and she lived in London. And she would. I noticed she always asked people when they asked for autographs. She would always ask them who she was. You had to say back to her. She said, "Well, who am I?" She. You say, "You're Bessie Love," and she'd go, "Yeah, okay." And she would sign. So some people had their rules, you know. Right. Um, like Vanessa Redgrave would not sign at an equity meeting because that was something else. But if she was at a premiere, she acted like an act, a star. But oh, right. when yeah, she was yeah. there for different reasons, she would not. She didn't like it. You know, so it's interesting, but endlessly fascinating. You know, I think it is because it's sort of mm. the way it's changed as well. Because of now, of course, it's not autographs anymore; it's selfies. Yeah, and that's a yeah. different, a whole different ball game. It's so interesting that it's almost like I guess an autograph was proof. That you'd met that person, that you'd or you'd had some contact was, with that yeah. person. Whereas now, I the only proof is that better, people want know? is a is a photo. I know, it's so interesting because, like, if you like, what I think is funny. There's certain times where, if I'm at dinner or I'm at, I'm in a place, you know, and out with my friends, and I I don't want to get do a photo, and I you know, and if, or I definitely don't want to do one with a flash and all that. And if I I sometimes say very nicely. Uh, you know, I, I, I do mind. I don't want to take a photo because if if I do, I'm with, I'm, I'm not working just now. I'm just out with my friends. If I do, uh, other people will see that I've taken a photo with you, and everyone will want one. And I'll spend my whole night doing that. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and almost, I would say, ninety nine point nine percent people are go, oh, absolutely, Alan, totally get it because you've ent- you've engaged with them and been kind and been been rational. 
Yeah. But once in a while, you'll get someone who is just furious yeah. that you won't do that. And at one time I said, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm having, you know, you've met me. We're having an interaction. Yeah. It, you know, it doesn't that mean, doesn't that count for anything? And he went, no. <laughs> I was like, okay then, right. Well, you're really not getting a photo now. <laughs> but then, but the thing you said a minute ago is also quite, uh, you know, rang a bell for me. When, when, when sometimes you know you're coming out of a place if, like maybe an awards where there's lots of people, yeah. you know, when it's not and there's lots of people are there, so the people are prepared to have the photographs of lots of people to be signed, and like you know, you go down the line and you're signing and there's and then someone else go oh no i've got him like that like you're like you're, <laughs> like a you're toy that they're collecting yeah like you're there yeah, like, i can yeah. hear you i can hear you yeah and people are sort of like oh he's over here pointing at you you know yeah, right in front of yeah. you and it, that kind of thing where you're not treated like a human being sometimes no know? it's and also i think it's interesting like if i'm with grant or or you know my a, a publicist or a manager or something you know so there's another person with me obviously kind of you know uh my yeah sort of look it after or plus one or you know what I mean I'm with I'm in the company that 100% of the time people will ask them can he can I get an autograph can he will he give me an autograph or is he going you know what I mean and I'm like I'm right here I can hear you do you know what I mean I'm not in a glass box <laughs> it's such a funny thing isn't it? You, I mean I guess it it's that they, want, they feel it they feel they're being appropriate and feel they're being respectful actually they're asking the your minder or something it's such a such a weird thing so what was the thing that sort of stopped your autograph career or uh, habit well i think just getting older really i think i think we people were so nice to us because we were young polite english boys you know we yeah. were we were very as i said we were really nice and polite and people like would, would chat to us and as we got older i suppose other things became you know it didn't seem i didn't want to be one of those old autograph collectors there with nothing else to do in, in their evenings you know i think other things took off you know a social life yes <laughs> in other ways but i have sort of kept it going in a really nice way i think my the instinct is still there um with uh, like visitors books when i have a show on right. i keep a book yeah. and I've i say well you, you've, you've signed a yeah. couple of them and i i've i've um, I asked people to write something for the company, for me and the company. I said, could you just say something? That's nice. And they love to do that. And I've got some yeah. really fantastic books of really lovely messages from people that I admire and I really love. And that's that's a really nice thing to have because it's yeah. about the work. It's suddenly become different. It's a mutual thing. People who come yeah. backstage to see you, they've liked what you've done. Um, it's a really nice feeling. Yeah, when you started to take your... Um companies you know when you so you started adventures in motion pictures and you and you uh, and relatively small casts and then suddenly the, the nutcracker small, was the first yeah. big one wasn't it that was the first sort of big yeah. full-length ballet and then yeah. um and then and then swan lake of course which is like this cultural iconic thing anyway yeah. but then those shows started going to la and i was actually in la the first time that uh, swan lake was there um and that was am- that's amazing because i saw you s- meeting many of the people that you'd got autographs from when you were a little boy now as this great yeah. choreographer that everybody that they wanted to come and and lord that must have been an amazing feeling it was an amazing it was an amazing pinch yourself fairy tale sort of feeling really and it, it, yeah i never i the the trick is not to let on too much in the moment 
because people don't like that gush, you know, not being yeah. too much. This is my yeah. dream, you know, like blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You, you just, you just chat and that yeah. it works, you know, but I, inside I was feeling, this is incredible, you know, that I'm meeting these people and they're coming back to see, you know, see ourselves to our show. And I, I thought that was one uh, who, sort of amazing. I still, still feel that. Um, at the time when we first, uh, there was still a lot of MGM people around, which I loved. And Anne Miller was one of my favorites. Oh, yeah, she was uh, and I, I loved her. She always stood up at the end of a show and uh, that felt so great. And she was funny. And um, I went to her home uh, where she made an appear- She made an entrance down, oh, down one of I those double stairways yeah. with dogs. Fabulous. Fabulous. Yeah, fantastic. Um, you know, she, she, remember I did, because I sang at the Hollywood Bowl with her. Uh, I mean, not oh, with you? her, but on the same bill. Yeah. Like, you know, they have those nights at the Hollywood Bowl. They, you do like three nights in the summer out, you know, and, and with the orchestra, like a massive orchestra, and there's like 18,000 people in the audience. And I'd never done anything like that before. And I was sort of thought I was, I, I, they asked me ages before. And I think it was that summer actually when Swan Lake was there or maybe you know yeah maybe i was i was yeah. there for a while or, or maybe no actually it was much later than that no maybe it was anyway um no it was later uh, i i just <laughs> i just blah blah i just felt i should try and you know i push myself and you know i'd always been scared of singing as myself and i thought I'll, i've been asked to do this thing i'm going to do it and then of course i was like what the fuck are you thinking singing the first time you ever actually sing as yourself you're doing it at the Hollywood Bowl <laughs> with a 70-piece orchestra. And the other guests were Anne Miller, Leah Deleria, yes. and uh, Charlotte Church, Voice of an Angel. Oh, my God. That was the bill. That was the campus lineup you've ever heard. And yeah. um, and so when we did, we, we, we there was a sort of, we met at, um, John Mauchery was the director. And I'd known him from years ago at the Scottish, uh, yeah, Scottish Opera. And yeah. I recently did a you know, and narrated the Nutcracker thing for him for, for the National Orchestra of Scotland. But um, we, so we had a sort of meeting and rehearsal at John's house and I, that's when I met Anne Miller and she'd, she, um, we were talking about you and she, she, you'd said to say hello to her and, and, I, and, I, and she says, oh, Matthew, I loved him. And but she was absolutely hilarious. And did I ever tell you my hilarious story about her? Because we got on please, like a house on fire because she was like, she was such a, she was such a, you know, I love those old broads because they're always like, really professional really yeah. you know obviously you know i think people who are those kind of big stars they're really professional real muckers real sort of you know they 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 understand how important it is to be yeah their work be, ethic be, is amazing yeah yes exactly yeah. and yeah. yet at the same time they're also got that magical thing that connects and it's usually i think always about humor and uh and and wit wit and at least sort of some degree of sort of uh, self parody anyway so we we're chatting and having a laugh and uh, I would go into her dressing room you know before the 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 shows and have a, have a good blather and she'd tell me all this gossip about it and so she's like an old lady by this point and she, her legs were so huge I mean they were I mean, long because I mean a long, couple of years after yeah. I remember I you know she had a big dress with a slit in it and her legs sticking out like you know and then and, and she was all glitter and she sang I'm Still Here was one of her songs. It was amazing. And I remember a couple of years later, I ran into her at this awards thing and she was like sitting really, and I, I said, oh, Anne, are you on like a low chair? You look, she's like she'd fallen in a hole. She was like, her head was practically just sticking above the table at this dinner. And she went, no, Alan, I was, it's just, it, I'm, it, my legs are so long. I, I, uh, I basically, I, my, my legs started my chest. 
<laughs> and then and it was, and it was actually true. But now when she said that, I thought, oh my God, she's kind of almost, you know, um, like deformed. It was, it was kind of crazy. She had the she's longest legs. A head and a pair and of legs. No, yeah. Basically, no torso, like our boobs and then legs. Yeah. But um, anyway, so we were chatting away and, and, she, <laughs> and Eyes Wide Shut, that Stanley Kubrick film that I'd done, had just been mm. out. And that summer... And she, as I was leaving, I was, I was like, oh, okay, I better go on. It's nearly my turn. And she went, oh, Alan, I meant to tell you, I loved you in Eyes Wide Shut. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I thought, wow. Anne Miller went to see Eyes Wide Shut. Like, she was an octogenarian by that point. I wouldn't have thought an 80-something-year-old lady would go and see this, you know, Stanley Kubrick yeah. film about sort of, you know, jealousy and sex and everything. And uh, I said, gosh, really? And she went, oh, yes, I thought you were the best thing in the movie. And I was like, and, you know, I'm only in the movie for a few minutes. So, like, if you thought I was the best thing in the movie, did, does that mean that you didn't really like it? And she thought for a minute, she went, well, I'd like to see the European version because apparently there's more pussy in it. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> and I was like, you know, ooh. Chin on the floor. What? <laughs> and then I had to go on and sing some sad song on the stage. Absolutely hilarious. I had lunch with um, Esther Williams, the swimming <sighs> star, you know. Wow, yeah. Uh, people like that I loved at the time. But, and it, it's continued with my company even in recent years where I like, the, you know, I like the old stars and most of them have yeah. not, some of them have not heard of who they are, you know. And you'd be amazed the people they don't know, mm. the younger generation, you know. Yeah, no, it is shocking. But I get them to Google them before they come. I said, look, this person's coming tonight. You've got to Google, have a Google, you know. That's Even Shirley MacLaine, to be honest, you know, with some of really? them. Really? Yeah. Uh, and Tab Hunter was another one who I loved <gasps> uh, wow. getting to our show and uh, meeting him. I, he was such a um, – still a little bit of a twinkle in his eye. I actually swooned. Yes. He was in his did 80s, you... but I sort of swooned a bit. <laughs> did you really? <laughs> I did. <laughs> he, had, he, he still had it. Um <laughs> But then they would get to know them. And it was quite a nice thing, actually, because they would then go, wow, we've, you know, Mitzi Gaynor was another one who they oh. really didn't know that well. And then, then they looked her up and they thought, wow, she's, she's amazing. She's then, you know how, how her specials are now on Amazon Prime? I know. I've started. Oh, my God. I'm working oh, have my you way really? through them. Yeah. How many yeah. are there? Uh, there seems to be about 10. There's oh, quite a lot. great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's my They're next brilliant. few weeks sorted out. The other person that I, my childhood, uh, idol i suppose uh, for some of the time of uh, growing up from that eight onwards was barbara streisand you know i, mm. I obviously adore but we still do uh of course but she i i actually met her and had lunch with her at her house and just the two of wow. us wow you know, that was an incredible uh dream come true moment for me you know just to sort of thinking back you know how i used to idolize her this is interesting she's one of the few people who i've met in that who still sends a Christmas card every year. Shut up. You she wouldn't, cards she wouldn't be the one you think, and... would it? Wouldn't be. Yeah. No. But another time, I was just talking about Cameron's sort of, you know, fan, fanboy thing, that yeah. I went to there to talk to him about something. I can't remember what it was. And obviously didn't ever do it, but... Uh, I went, I went to that, that 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 flat, and we were in the kitchen chatting away. And I sort of like looked up, and he had a he had a <laughs> he had a walk, you know, people those things where you have pots hanging from the ceiling. And I looked up, and it was a walk, and it had a sort of a pattern and a logo on it. And I went, 
Is that a Miss Saigon walk? And it was, anyway, yes, first night gift from the opening night on Broadway and blah, blah, blah. And he had it hanging in his kitchen. A Miss Saigon walk. I thought that was hilarious. Probably made a lot of money from those. Sure. Yeah. That, um, what a great first yeah. night gift, a walk. Who'd have thunk? I know. So you were uh, at the BBC working as a, putting away the contracts and sneakily taking people to the Pete yeah. Murray show. Yeah. When when was the moment that you thought, right, I'm going to go to dance school? Well, I did. I, I worked various jobs for about four years, actually. Um, so that that's the job I got when I was 18. And I left there to go to, I always wanted to go to New York and Los Angeles. So I saved uh-huh. to go. And I went for a month or something after about 18 months of working at the BBC. And I left my job and did this amazing trip. Uh, uh, what did you do? Sort of a dream, dream trip. Um, and then I came back and I worked for Keith Prowse Theatre Agents for a while. But what did you do? What did you What did you do in this trip? You went did you went to see Broadway shows in New York and oh Broadway shows, what? yeah. In one week I saw uh, you know Vita, dance, Bob Fosse's dancing, Sugar Baby's wow. opening night with <gasps> our beloved Ann Miller. Ann Miller uh, and um, met Andy Warhol at the <gasps> opening. Where got his auto- oh, got there. his autograph at the um, opening of Sugar Babies. Um, it was sort of an amazing time, you know, and 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 in uh, LA went to you know all the things you want to dream of doing when you're a kid. So it was it was one right. of those sort of yeah. trips. Um, so I had to get that out. Did of my you system. go with Simon? No, I went on my own. Believe it or not. Did you really? Actually, wow. I, I stayed in the Y uh, on Thirty Fourth Street, I think it was. Um, and in those days, there were the, you had your room, but there were communal showers on each floor. Can you imagine? Wow. I was 18. That, that's the way of yeah, as in the YMCA, sh- isn't it? That's YMCA. the big, yeah, the big YMCA. village people, gay central sort of way. Yeah, that's why so, I did. Yeah. It was a, quite a daring trip in a way. Yeah. Um, How old were you? 18. Whoa. Going on 19, I suppose. And yeah. So what were you going to say about now, the showers? I was so innocent, you know, in a way, thinking, you know, there were, uh, why were there always men in these showers, you know? hanging around <laughs> i don't know <laughs> <Hilarious>. <laughs> yeah i know but um but then i came back i did i worked for keith Prowse theater agent so i saw a lot of was seeing a lot of theater basically and then i worked mm-hmm. at the national theater uh on the bookshop maybe in the bookshop that's right a while yeah and i did continued that while i was at college and everything but but basically the question you asked about how i got into the uh, studying dance i just i got to the age of about 21 I was had amateur things going on. Um, I loved it. And I was seeing a lot of ballet and contemporary dance. So I was really so obsessed with it. Um, and there was a boy there who was also an usher at the National who just joined the London Contemporary Dance School. He was the same age as me. Uh, and I th- he'd just done a production of West Side Story and got into dance quite recently. And I thought, why am I not doing that? Like, that's what I should be doing, you know? So he he sort of inspired me to go and audition. But I, I auditioned, but it, literally my audition for, for the Laban Centre is a place I went. It was yeah. Temporary College in South East London. Um, that was the first dance class I'd ever done. <gasps> I'd never done a dance class. Wow. At 21, you know? Um, and the, and wow. I got in. I got in. And I th- weirdly, that thing about... Oh, that blows you know, my mind. I thought I was quite good, you know? I wasn't. But I kind of thought I was okay. Otherwise, I wouldn't have the confidence to do it. Because yeah. I'd done all these shows, you know, I thought, I'm, I can do all this, you know. Obviously, I was completely untrained. and um, 
But I think my enthusiasm was so great in my interview. I'd read so much. I'd seen so much. I mean, a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I think they were impressed by that. And, you and when you do audition for a dance school, do you do you have to do a dance? Like, do you make up a dance, or do you are dances that you have are prescribed for you to do? Yeah, do you know, I think I did actually. I seem to remember doing that. So I, you I choreographed your own more. thing. Yeah, I can't remember what it was to be honest, but I know I had to do have prepared something. Um, maybe that was better than the class, you know. <laughs> maybe it was yeah. choreographically more interesting. I don't know. Who knows. And but did you go so thinking that you would be become a, a, a choreographer first or did that come later? I never thought I would be a professional dancer, you know, when I went there. I think I thought I probably would do something to do with dance. I, I suppose choreography was always the thing in the back of my mind that I would thought I would be strongest at. Um, but it could have been that I'd write about it or I would, you know, I don't know. It, it, I, I don't think I had a plan at that point. Mm. Um, and I did end up dancing, you know, my mostly in my own work, but I did uh, dance for about 10 years uh, before I, the choreography sort of took over because I started getting offers to do things that clash with our tours. Like yeah. Oliver, like you mentioned, was the first one really that I couldn't do one of our shows because I'd been offered Oliver. So then I stepped back from it and it was actually a lot easier, you know, to not be in it as well. Yeah. Uh, choreographing and dancing at the same time is quite difficult yeah and you don't miss it uh no i I completely live it with the with the people on stage Mm. i still do you know they're they're Mm. my people and they're i i i feel completely represented up on stage so i I, Mm. I feel very Mm. satisfied by that you know i can i i totally understand i your shows are so you you know that you're wet and you're and you're and every little head tilt that a dancer does, I know. I just know that where that comes from in your body. It's so amazing. And also, I love what you're saying about how you're sort of the dad. You know, you obviously you are the leader of this company, and you and uh, but you're also the dad at t- telling them to Google people, introducing them to things. So that's such a lovely thing to kind of keeping that tradition of the stuff that you loved going, teaching yeah. it to the young kids. So lovely. Yeah, no, I I love that. I love it. Then you came to Broadway, and that and. So my last day of uh, cabaret was the Tonys. So I had yes. done it for a year and it was my last day and I was going to be presenting at the Tonys. And uh, you were, that's when you were up for, you know, Swan Lake was up for the awards and everything. And uh, what was so funny was that you won Best Choreographer, but you also won Best Director, didn't you? Which was yeah. like an extraordinary thing. Like a dance show had never won Best Director before. That's right, and it was yeah. it was an incredible, incredible coup, much deserved. But but it was it? Did you think you had a shout at it? Oh God, no! I really didn't because I I know you know all of us know sometimes these awards are about selling a show as well, and, and the show had closed. Mm. You know, the show had finished by the point the Tonys happened. So oh, I was I absolutely thrilled to be remembered and nominated. You know, I thought that was great, but I didn't think I had a chance of winning because the show had. You know, there was no reason to give it to us in a way. So when was your show, when was that Swan Lake on? What part of the year? Well, it was sort of autumn or fall, I should oh, say. Oh, yeah, through that's to, right. Through to about January, February time. So the Tonys right. happened, you know, in April, May or something. Yeah. Um, so I didn't think there was a chance. But the the wonderful thing was that it was the, the Choreography Award was the first award. Yeah. And that's the, the one you presented. 
and yeah. you, you, you were the one who had to call out my name. I know, and it was amazing. It was such a moment for us, wasn't it? Because yeah. you come to Broadway and had this amazing success yourself just quite recently. Yeah, the and then I sort of followed on with this, and you, yeah. you were sort of put me over to this this Tony Award, which you'd won the year before or something, I think. Yeah, Possibly. yeah, and it, it was such an amazing. It's magical. Thing to, I just think, look at us yeah. in the flat in Tufnell Park. Yeah, look, just at a, na- look at us now. <laughs> a few years before, you know, so it was an amazing night, and that made it so special, Alan, that you were the one to present uh, it to me. Uh, it was magical, and then and then I remember I was in the press room. And what I, what was crazy was I'd shaved my head. Like I finished doing Cabaret that afternoon and I shaved all my hair off. <laughs> and I was going straight to LA the next day to start shooting Annie that I did with Rob uh, Marshall. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, the best uh, version I, of Annie, I should say. Thank you. I wasn't fishing. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, of course it's true. But, uh, but they didn't know. <laughs> I hadn't told them that I was cut, I'd cut my hair. And the thing was, when, when you, um, when you won Best Director, there was I, I was I saw it and there was there was a video of on the news or something, me and I took I had a hat on, I wore a hat to the Tonys so they wouldn't see that I was I'd cut my hair. And when you won, I threw my hat in the air and they and they saw that I was bald. <laughs> so it was you you blew my gaff. Oh my goodness. So quickly getting a wig ready out. for you. So they did. Honestly, that was like the next day they were like getting a wig ready. Anyway, Matt, um I just wanted to say that you're Work is so magical, and you're such a good friend, and I, you know, and I love you so much. And I, I also that time when you said to me, "Let's go to Disneyland Paris," I can't explain what a great thing that was to do because I really was in a really low part of my life, and I, I, you know, discovered or rediscovered myself and my sort of joy in that funny couple of days and also the fact that you didn't laugh when I was pouring my heart out wearing my Mickey Mouse ears is a testament to what a great friend you are (laughs) so thank you for walking down memory lane with me today thank you it's been lovely yeah and Ferdinand is now is over there lying having a cigarette afterwards and yeah (laughs) (laughs) love him and leave him Ferdy Well, I'm going to put that photograph of my Mickey Mouse ears back in their proper place. Thank you for listening, everybody. I hope you had as much fun as I did. And join me next time on Alan Cumming Shelves. Alan Cumming Shelves is hosted by me, Alan Cumming, duh, and produced by the lovely Jack Claremont. We are part of the ACAST Creator Network and the Crowd Network, too. We just love networks. Another Crowd Network podcast to check out is The Joe Marler Show. Joe is an England rugby player, but here's the catch. His guests are normal people doing normal jobs. He's meeting teachers, chefs, stunt women, tattoo artists, marine biologists, astronauts and soldiers. And he's asking all the questions you or I would ask. It's as simple as that. But it's also charming because everyone is interesting if you ask the right questions. Just search for The Joe Marler Show in your podcast app. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.